Welcome back. We are back, back from vacation, full of excitement, full of energy. Welcome back to Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap, joined by the one of my favorite people in the Houston area, Mr. Cody Stutes of ESPN Radio. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great. You're too kind of for the uh, for the fantastic and very nice intro, and you somehow have made me look skinnier with your special effects. So. Yeah, you can you can do the customized layouts and stuff now on Streamyard. So I've been playing around with them the past couple of weeks, but Fancy. yeah, yeah. So if it, we'll try this layout instead of the sixteen by nine ratio, it's a little more vertical. So, but uh, a little more real estate. So. But yeah, no, I was out last week on vacation. I was at the Greenbrier actually. Got to see where the where the Texans got to do do their training camp and whatnot. So that was a fun getaway for the wife and I. Get away from the kids for a little bit. But we are back in the saddle, ready to go. Tons of smoke, tons of news. I don't even know what to get into first. Might as well just hit that one, the biggest one out of the top of the head. So it's Nick Casario. It started offline about. Three weeks ago, I guess, two weeks ago is when I started hearing some rumblings about it, thinking uh, towards the end of March and started asking around folks around outside of Houston, especially up in the Northeast where, uh, you know, former New England, you know, talking to some people up there, talked to some people in Carolina. And then four days ago, I get the first message. More than likely than not, you will have a GM soon. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And then it started, and then it just kind of went from there. Lombardi started his stuff on his podcast on GM Shuffle and and Vision and all those different wherever he's at. And I know Lombardi hit misses just as much as he hits, mm-hmm. but it, it's starting to really gather some smoke. And to cap it off, I, I really feel like it was this was the team using John McClain to hey try to squash rumors. So we can get to the draft and then we'll deal with this after the draft. But what's your what's your read on the situation at first glance, just soaking all this in? I know it's still new and I can't figure out I can't figure out who's mad at who. Like who 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 what why is somebody mad about the situation that the Texans are in right now? I don't understand that. If the McNairs are upset, what are you upset about? If you were this upset, why didn't you get rid of the guy when they won the last game of the season, and you let him show Lovey Smith the door and then show him the door right after, and then just raid all of San Francisco, go get you Adam Peters and D'Amico Ryans. So I can't imagine that, that something in the offseason, which has been a fun offseason, which yeah. has been an offseason in the right direction, I just can't imagine how the McNairs would be upset with anything. So then you flip it. Well, is Casario upset? Well, there's enough things that seemingly have happened where you could make an argument that Nick Casario, I suppose, could be upset. Where I I took this job thinking Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback. He's not the quarterback. All right, well, cool. I got to trade Deshaun Watson. Let's trade him. Nope, actually, he's an alleged pervert. I can't trade him right away. So that's the second thing. Oh, nobody wants the job, so I got to hire David Culley. There's three. Uh, I want to hire Josh McCown. Nope, Brian Flores, who's the NFL, can't do that. That's four. Um 
Uh, okay, I, I I want Jonathan Gannon. Like we were gonna hire him last year, but we're gonna hire. No, I gotta hire D'Amico. Well, that's five. Like you can find some things that I guess Nick Casario would be upset about, but this guy's mood and mentality has been such a positive one towards this team and towards D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, I, I I've been joking that they that D'Amico and and Nick act like stepbrothers. Like did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Like I've been joking about that for, for six weeks now. And it's like, so, so who's, who's upset and who's mad. So then it comes to, well, he wants to do something at two that nobody else in the building wants to do. And I guess that could make him mad, but you got plausible deniability for Casario. If they do what you don't want to do and it didn't work, you can tell everybody and their mom, man, that's not my job. That wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this. So I can't figure out who would be mad at who, and why they're mad to the point where we'd be thinking about a new general manager? Get out of here. Yeah, I don't. that's the part that I have not been able to find out. If this is D'Amico getting more power and Casario being upset about it, McNair's pushing on Casario, Casario just not being happy here, the way things like you laid out just now, where the way things are going, exactly what it is, if it's Belichick backdooring, hey, that's one pl- one plausible theory that I've heard is Belichick has been displeased with his personnel department the past two years after Casario left, in which you can see they haven't had as much success, even though they did have a change of quarterback. But it makes you wonder if if he would just welcome Nick Casario with open arms back and Casario can go back home, and, and maybe he's just not that happy here for what specific reason. I don't know, and I, it may be a culmination of everything like you laid out. But you could have had, you could have had vintage Ozzie Newsom running the Patriots the past couple of seasons with the coaching staff that they put together. I don't know if they were going to be successful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know they, that it's personnel department. It's yeah, you got so offense. Yeah, there's two, there's two things about about Casario that are really important to address in the sticking around and why this is happening and the leaving. And I'll go through the sticking around first. Okay. I don't believe he talks to anybody. I don't believe he talks to Rap. I don't believe he talks to Schefter. I don't believe he talks to anybody. Now, I, I now I you're disagree, but go ahead. You're gonna you're but let me lay it out. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. How often have the Texans done something that it's taken a while for the big investigators to figure it out? It's happened more than a few times. Okay, and Casario has been pretty good at keeping some big stories quiet. I I think there are two of the biggest examples of the Texans don't talk to the national folks as much as they used to. I think the biggest example of that is Joe Buck on Thursday Night Football telling us that the Texans and Deshaun Watson have an agreement in place that Watson's not going to be around the facility anymore for the rest of the year. He's not going to play, and the Texans aren't going to be after him. Now, that's clearly something that was told to Joe Buck in the production meetings, and I can't imagine the Texans were thrilled when he shared that on Thursday Night Football, (laughs) one of the big talking points. I think that's element number one that proves big things can be kept quiet by the Texans. Element number two is the Houston Chronicle breaking the D'Amico Ryan story. So I understand. And we know how that happened. Yes, so... I think that's another element of the national guys don't have as much grasp in Houston 
as they think they do or as they want. And D'Amico being a new element and turning over a lot of coaches and not having a bunch of guys that are unhappy that they're the Texans, whatever, everybody should be closing ranks right now. And so when you can't find anything out and when nobody's going to confirm that something's the truth or deny that something's the truth, then anything could be the truth. Casario could be mad at the Texans. The Texans could be mad at Casario. They could be trading for three. They could be trading out of two. They could be taking a defensive lineman. So I think everything is possible when you can't figure anything out officially from the Texans. I think that's one of the biggest elements of this Casario story just kind of spiraling out of control. Yeah. No, it's – I will I – will, I will speculate that if Nick – does leak, which is very rare, it's to Schefter. And sure. I know Breer is tight with with them and has and has a good insight with them from their history in New England and all that. But that that's be my guess. But but the overarching point that you're making is pretty accurate that things don't get out. Casario does give two flips about perception and media and any of that. That's he doesn't care. It's none of his biz, none of his deal, and he's here to work and do his job. Cap, would you, you're Nick Casario? Would you be excited to go back to New England? And see, that's a, that's a good question, and that's what I like. You you turned down multiple opportunities. I, I'm, I'm assuming at GM positions before you took the Houston job. You got to Houston, whether it's working out for you or not. That's you know that's another whole other discussion, but. To go back, and you're you're not going to get the GM title. That, that's just not going to happen. Belichick has control of the roster, and however much longer he's going to work there. But is it just a comfort thing? Like, I know I can function there, and I know I can work the way I want to work, and that's why I would rather go back there versus doing what I'm doing here. I don't know. But to answer your question, would, would it, if I'm Casero, would it be exciting to go back? Probably not from a career standpoint. Yeah, but from a comfort standpoint, and maybe my family is more comfortable there than I could see it from that that scope of things. But he's still young; he still has a huge and long career ahead of him. And to take that step back and, and ultimately end up being just like every other uh, New Patriots England guy. Patriots guy that went on to the world, realized it wasn't for them, and they end up coming back three or four years, just you know, kind of paints that picture. So. No, it's probably not exciting, but maybe it's just a comfort thing. And 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 he's just an odd person in that aspect that he likes his ways. He likes to do things the way he likes to do things, and he's comfortable with that that process up there. So uh, that's my other big thing about Casario is New England doesn't make sense for him, and I think it's twofold. One, I think look at look at it, well in Baltimore, Eric DeCosta has been there for a quarter of a century trying to get this job trying to be the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens. He's got the job. He's not blowing up his entire career over not being able to keep Lamar Jackson. Like, so like, he's going to do everything he can in his power to make sure Lamar is the quarterback for the Ravens. I would say the same thing with Nick Casario. He spent 20 years trying to get the job he has now with the Houston Texans. And as you talked about, probably turning down multiple opportunities, turning down the Texans twice before he takes this. Yeah. He's not blowing his career up three years into it because they're going to take the quarterback. He doesn't like it too. He's not doing that. And I think the biggest thing to understand about new England, you a game of Thrones fan cap. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. When Bill Belichick leaves the New England Patriots, it's going to be just like when Robert Baratheon took his last breath in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Every Everybody's going to have their eyes on the crown. O'Brien's going to want to run that thing. Casario's going to want to run that thing. Gerard Mayo's going to want to run that thing. Steve Belichick's still going to be in the building. Jonathan Kraft is going to want to run that thing. Everybody's going to want to run the Patriots. It's going to be a war to see who runs the Patriots when King Belichick moves yeah. on. <laughs> so you do not want to throw your name in that hat. You do not want to throw your name in that hat. That would yeah. be an atrocious spot to be in. And ultimately, you know, anybody hadn't seen Game of Thrones at this point, sorry, spoilers. Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> the people who tried to be king right after Baratheon, none of them were king. No. None of them. So you never want to follow the guy. That's a big thing that I think in life matters. You never want to follow the guy. And following Belichick or trying to follow Belichick, that's a you set yourself up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've about said we all can say on that. I mean, anything beyond that is just going to be speculation on our part. And we'll get to a couple other points before we get to some questions. But, uh, you know, this is uh, the Cap and Trade YouTube channel. I am your host, Texas Cap. Make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. helps the channel out. Follow Cody Stutes as well. It has his YouTube channel. Hit that up as well. And if you got any questions, throw them up on the board. We will try to get to what we can tonight. So, with that, we'll move on from the Nick Casario uh, topic and uh, shift over to the draft. So, you know, uh, C.J. Stroud had his visit. Bryce Young had his visit today. A lot of speculation. It, the fan base is divided. It seems like the media is divided. Everybody is divided on what Carolina is going to want to, is going to do at one, what Houston's going to do at two, what should be done, what could be done, <laughs> everything in between. And I've been on the hill, and I, I feel like I'm so invested in, into it that I, I'm just going to have to stick with it, even though it might probably just going to be completely wrong on saying that CJ Stroud's going number one. And now this has just been this rush of information of Bryce Young leapfrogging uh, Stroud and now Carolina's all in on on Bryce Young and then it's like well what does Houston do it to you know is CJ Stroud up on their board comparison to Young compared to the other guys we'll get into that in a few minutes but what's your what's your initial read on the situation with what Carolina is going to do at one and how that affects Houston you ever played in a big time poker tournament, Cap? In a big time one, no. You ever in played a, in a you ever played in a poker tournament yeah, with yeah. maybe some of your buddies or you yeah. know like a you know, I did a bunch in college when I was in living yeah. in the dorms. We'd have tournaments like every night. Probably yeah. lost like hundreds of dollars, <laughs> not even getting close to winning those things. So sometimes in poker, you know you have the best hand, and you know you got the best hand, but everything that other person's done that your head's up with, they've told you they got a little bit better hand than you. Even though you've kind of run the numbers in your brain, you're looking at the board, you're like, there's really only one hand that beats me. But maybe they got it. The way they've played this, they might have it. So I'm going to fold. I think you got the better. I think I, don't, I, think I got you beat, but I'm going to fold just in case. I feel like that's exactly what the Texans and the Panthers are doing right now. Texans are saying, I know you're not taking Bryce Young. I know you're not taking Bryce Young. But if... It gets close enough, and I really do think that we need to kind of have Bryce Young, and we want to have the conversation. 
even though we think there's no chance you're taking him, we'll give you something to move up and make sure we get him. Just something. It may not be that future first. It may not be one of the second round selections the Texans have, but something. I feel like that's where they are. I do not believe the Carolina Panthers are trading up for Bryce Young. That's what I would do if I ran the Carolina Panthers. I would have traded up for Bryce Young. I do not believe they're trading up for Bryce Young. And they are in a standoff to hopefully convince the Houston Texans to give them something. Because the way you absolutely maximize that selection is the Texans give you something, and then you point and laugh and you say, gotcha, and you flop over a 7-2 offsuit, and you didn't have the better hand, but you got something out of them. (laughs) So that's where I feel like the Panthers are. I think the price is here. I think a week from now the price is here. I think a week from that the price is there. And I think draft night the price is to a point where the Texans would at least consider making the trade, being on the clock. And I tell you what, the NFL would love that. Two different teams have the number one pick this year. I mean, come on. The NFL yeah. would love the drama behind that. I I am I'm just shocked that I, I haven't someone who has the same thought mentality on this as I do. So that that that's fun for me, but I, I felt like I was kind of on a on a hill by myself there. And you know, and then to counter it with Houston coming back at them, well, we just may not take a quarterback at two. We're fine. You just take whoever you want and we'll we'll do something else. Feels like Houston saying go pound sand that you want us to trade up for it. And because if it, it, it would feel like a gotcha moment. if you're if they're trading up to number one for Bryce, then that's just basically Carolina admitting, yeah, hey, we got you. So they're not they're not trading away Bryce Young if that's who they traded up for. So it's either that or we're not, they're not going to make that trade. And it, from all reports, it sounds like Houston hasn't made that phone call and probably ever won't. And it's certainly, and it certainly won't be Carolina calling Houston. If, if they're, they cannot do that. Cause as soon as they make that phone call, all the leverage is out. That's see, that's the thing. If you call and they pick up or they call you, don't you know they're not taking Bryce? Yeah. Because because Casario knows how this damn thing works. I mean, Dave Tepper and Frank Reich aren't going to sleep each night not knowing who the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers is. I mean, that's not that's not happening. They're building this thing to make sure that they they're 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 gonna be ready for whoever it is. So the moment they'll have the conversation with you, you know that you got them. So that's that that to your point, that's why they 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 never would have uh they may never have that conversation. I I, I got a, I got a question for you. This feels like yeah. something you'd have a really good this whole uh Chicago thing that they were going from one to two and two to nine. Where do you think it really fell apart? Do you think it was really the Texans part of it that fell apart? Or do you think that the the Panthers kind of blew this thing up? by not offering enough to go from nine to two. Let me think what I want to say here. Cause I've heard some and I'm not sure. And I don't want to say something that's just Be- because yes, but it's, it stands to reason if the Panthers only wanted one, then they would always be beating the Texans offer 
and there never would have been a two to nine scenario. But the Panthers at one point seemed comfortable with nine to two, knowing the Texans like Bryce. So where did it fall apart? It, I got to imagine it was DJ Moore. They were probably not offering DJ Moore. In the and they had that. they had nothing even remotely comparable to a DJ Moore on the right. Houston roster to offer. So right. So like so like I I, 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 I know think, they had the the I know they had a twenty twenty four one on the table for Chicago to make. Unfortunately, as bad as that sounds, but from my from what it sounds like. Houston was deep, deep, deep into it. And somewhere, either Nick drug his feet, whether it's purposely or or something came up or he got cold feet, started backing out. And then Carolina said, here's DJ Moore. Here's a little bit more. Let's get this done now. And just leapfrog Houston said, screw it. We're not going to play around to try to go to two. Let's just go to one, get this over with, and let's control the draft. That's what I'm – kind of hearing and inferring what happened gotcha okay so so you don't think it was chicago that 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 had this thing fall apart it was it was it was probably carolina being uncomfortable with the time frame it was tepper tepper you know tepper's pretty he's a pretty strong or strong owner pretty aggressive dude Guy pays cash for the team. Yeah, like, I think he was like, you know what, Fitterer, stop effing around. Yeah, just go up to one and get it done. Right. I don't even like DJ that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just gave him big old signing bonus to ship him off. Yeah. So that's where I think that fell down. Okay. So okay. So if it, 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 we're in a, we're in agreement, and if CJ Stroud goes one, then that's great for Houston, in my opinion, because that leaves them with Bryce Young, and I. I'm very confident in feeling that Bryce Young is is the, at the top of their board. Where I'm getting a little bit of confusion, a little bit of gray area is who they have at QB two. And let's just say for let's just say for the sake of this theoretical exercise, Bryce Young goes one to Carolina, mm-hmm. as a lot of the media reports are out there with. I don't think Houston has CJ Stroud at QB two. I agree. Who do you believe is QB two? The mayo drinking, banana skin eating dude from Kentucky. All, all all the signs are there. Yeah, all of the signs are there. Played in the SEC. Perfect, perfect off field profile. I mean, McShay said in October that he will not. You will not have a cleaner off the field profile than Will Levis in a long time. So perfect off-the-field profile. Big, strong, did more with less. And, like, you could – you could look, I don't like Will Levis. I don't believe – I don't either. <laughs> but you can reason it out from a Casario standpoint why you would believe he's better than Stroud. Well, Stroud played with – he played with the, the number one pick next year in Marvin Harrison Jr., he played with if it's not a if it's a QB needy team it's a QB but Harrison Jr is going number 1 next year. Um he played with two tackles that are going to be first two day picks. He yeah. played with a center who's going to be a day two day three pick. Yeah. He played with running backs that are going to be in the league. Last year he played with two first round wide receivers and other players. The defense is always setting them up for success. They play 
three tough games a year, four tough games a year. Yeah. Like, like you can create the reasons why Levis might be ahead. And then I don't remember who put it out there, but Levis testing high on that yes. new. I was going to get to that. Yeah. On that new. S2. That new test that everybody loves, this this S2 test, mm-hmm. you know, Levis testing high on that, that feels like something that might be important to the Texans. So uh, speaking of that, the S2 test, so you know, it sounded like the report was Bryce Young nearly aced it and Will Levis scored just below Bryce Young. I think it's a 0 to 100 grading scale, and it, I, thought, I think I saw a 93 for Levis. I find it interesting that Stroud's number has not been leaked. And I think that's on purpose. And I've heard, I'm not sure. I've heard that it, it wasn't very good. Correct. I've, I've heard the same thing from probably different people than you have. Yeah. And I've had one person say, well, the agent refuted that. I'm like, uh, of course. Okay. Did. But I, I've, I've heard that it was a pretty, pretty bad score, like really, really low, which would kind of go in line with what I've heard some, you know, like Nate Tice and those folks that, do these really good evaluations that, you know, C.J. Stroud has trouble coming off one first read, has trouble processing when he's out of structure, which is exactly what that S2 test is all about, is processing multiple things at one time. So I think you put that in there. The Mulligata thing is what it is. I start reading all those tea leaves. That's like, man, I just don't think Stroud's up there for them. I think he's above Richardson, but I think he's definitely behind Levis. So, Back to what we were talking about. If Young goes first, and I put my, as a joke, little flow flow diagram out. If Bryce is there, you take him. If he's not there, you trade out. And I do think that they would easily, and I think Levis is going to be one of those quarterbacks that does fall. If if I were to bet, which I never gamble, but if I did bet, I would bet the under if you set the number of quarterbacks that go in the top 10 at two and a half. And I, I don't think – I think you could probably get Levis at 12. And so I really do think the team could either trade out of two and fall back into the late teens or whatever. You know, maybe Indy wants to come up. Maybe Las Vegas wants to come up. Atlanta wants to come up, whatever. Or you could take Anderson, which is – I'm fine with that too. But I really think that would be – if Bryce Young is just off the board at one, I really do think the game plan would be – I think Anderson's number two on their board. I think Levis is their QB two, and then Bijan is really high on their board, so I hear. And then uh, Ben S is the other is the other guy, kind of their top five board. So I think that would be probably the play if Rice Young is not there. And here's I get a lot of flack on, on Twitter about it, and and I, I, what I want to try to convey to people it's not me saying that I don't. I'm just hearing what I'm hearing, and I'm saying I don't think the Texans are big on C.J. Stroud. So if Bryce Young's gone, it's Anderson or trade back. Watch out for Will Levis, and it gets a little dicey from there on out. Uh, so real quick, in the comments, I threw in the S2 article from The Athletic. So okay. if, folk, if folks want to read that, it's uh, good. It's there. Yeah, and there's some interviews on online about it, talking to the it, guy who created it as well. It, yeah. it, it explains sort of what, what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. So – your point is interesting about they don't they're not just automatically shrouded too. So my biggest my biggest thought and just 
thing that has to happen is I feel like when the team that's picking three is on the clock, they have to have had a quarterback because at that point, there are no more guarantees. Okay. There are, there are no more guarantees about getting a quarterback. If you do not select one at two, you can tell me take one at 12. Great. That's a, that's a, that's a nice maybe, but that's not a plan that you can execute. You need help. Like, the, the goal should be to execute a plan where you do not require any help to acquire the quarterback. Yeah. So it, you want to bet your entire career on Will Levis at two? Go for it. Be my guest. But they have to have an executable, no reliance on anybody else plan to yeah. put a quarterback on this team. That's fair because you don't want to get too cute, trade back out of two, and then somebody leaps you and you miss it. Or you're having or you're having to move back up from, you know. They Nick Casario has had in his in his second and third selection, he had teams steal his player mm-hmm. last year. Like, yep. like they were taking Jamison Williams. I'm a hundred percent convinced they were taking Jamison Williams. Yep. And Detroit jumps him and gets Jamison Williams. And I'm I'm also convinced, especially, especially after they couldn't get Jamison Williams, I'm convinced they were taking Brees Hall and they got jumped. And and, and 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 they like I don't get me wrong. I know they love Jalen Petrie, and, and I've talked to people since that said, no, 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 Petrie was the pick no matter what. Yeah, sure, okay. It's easy to say when Brees Hall went there, but Casario's Casario's I don't want to say lack of movement because I don't know that he should have been moving up for those players, but Casarios had his guys snatched from right underneath his nose back-to-back picks to start last year's draft. And so the the maneuvering, not being in full control of the selection to get the quarterback, that's, that's, that's hard for me to get on board with. Yeah. So there are other picks in the draft. What are, what are some of the other, uh, positions of, of you know pretty much almost any position on this roster is a position of need but what what are the areas you do you feel like this team needs to target through the first two days with their what four picks you know or once we get past two if just assuming Bryce Young goes number two what what are we looking at the rest of the way so I actually have different plans depending on the quarterback um if they get Bryce, I want a defensive lineman at twelve. Yep. And 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 frankly, I would monitor Tyree Wilson because I believe if he got to nine at the Bears, I believe you could get him. I I, I think you could toss the Bears that extra third and and go from twelve to to nine and get Tyree Wilson. And if you left with Bryce and Tyree Wilson, I mean, I'm having a freaking field day. Yeah. Okay. I'm throwing the biggest pizza party I've ever thrown in my life. Okay. Um, so if it's Bryce at two, I like a defensive lineman. So if Tyree's off the board, there's the the Luke Ness monster or yeah. Hercules to pick your nickname. Yeah. To Lucas Van Ness. I like him a lot. I like Miles Murphy. I like him because high expectations. He played well in a season where Clemson wasn't really going anywhere. He still played well. He's a physical freak. Um, the weird thing about him is I, I think I have bigger hands than he does. 
Like he got little tiny hands. I don't know if that matters for defensive ends. Um, you know, th- th- that's something to ask a coach or a former D lineman or something, but I, I don't know that that matters a ton. I like Miles Murphy from Clemson a lot. And then if it's Stroud, if Stroud's the pick at two or, or Levis for that matter, um, I don't like saying that cause I don't like the, the Will Levis idea, but I like Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12. Um, yeah, so, what, so it kind of flips for me. What dive in a little bit more on the Jackson Smith and Jigba. So there's this lot of discussion is he a slot? Is he an outside guy? I think if you go back and look at his, because he obviously didn't play much in 2022. If you go back and look at 2021, he played all over the field from my understanding. And I do, th- I mean, he's six foot, 196. He's only 21 years old. I feel like he could, I feel like he can play boundary or inside. And I know Mechie reportedly is 100% and he's back, but he's an unknown. He's a wild card. You can't count on Mechie. If he ends up being, productive then that's just an added bonus and you find a way to have robert woods john met you know mechie and, and smith and jigba on the field all at once do you have any concerns about that philosophy or like is he just a slot guy or is he inside outside both i'm not worried about where he plays because he can get open so if they put him outside i believe he can get open if they put him inside i believe they, he can get open it is so tough to read and watch the evaluation on this guy when the three people who know him the best will all tell you he's the best. Olave, Wilson, and Brian Hartline will all tell you he's the best as of right now. Now they'll all tell you Marvin Harrison Jr. is better, but you can't draft Marvin Harrison Jr. (laughs) Okay? You can't draft Marvin Harrison Jr. So I'll take Jackson Smith and Jigba and – Look, Mechie can get open from the outside. Robert Woods can get open from the outside. And I believe Jackson Smith and Jimbo can get open from the outside. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, is it the most conventional way to build a – is it the most conventional way to build a wide receiver core? No, it's not. But you'll figure out ways to get for these guys to get open. Like, it wasn't conventional the way the 49ers put that thing together, and it's working out just fine no, for them. You, yeah, you need you just need playmakers. You need youth yeah. and playmakers out there. And, and Robert Woods is going to do the dirty work underneath the Z, and you need your young guys out in space with field in front of them, which yeah. is a staple of, of this offense. So, you know, create the middle of the field being wide open and, and give the players space. So – I, I, I'm with you there. I, I'm I'm lead toward edge, but you know, it, you can't really go wrong. I think if you if they're at twelve and they had weather, yeah, I would even be fine with a cornerback because Nelson's only got one year left, and I think there's some really good quarter cornerbacks. If one of them falls, you know, if if I don't, I'm not much on Witherspoon, if, but if Porter Jr. doesn't like, sounds like Christian Gonzalez is going to go pretty high, but. You know, if one of those guys were sitting there, I wouldn't be totally opposed to that as well. But I do believe that. You know, I think JSN is the only wide receiver. Maybe Zay Flowers late in the first, but I think those are the only two guys worth a first-round pick as a wide receiver. So JSN is my only comfortable at 12 wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm comfortable. So with Bryce, I feel like at that point, like start start. You you play much craps, Texans cap? Craps, no. Okay, 
So when you sometimes when you when you win in craps, they ask you if you want to press your winnings. Um, and most of the time I say yes. And so you just basically what you win, you put it on top of your previous bet and you just keep winning more as that number keeps getting rolled. If you get Bryce, start pressing your winnings. Draft something cool at 12 and then get in the first round again and get something else cool. Um, yeah. you know, maybe it's maybe it's in Jigba at 12, and then you're jumping in to try to get uh, Lucas Van Ness, if he's sitting there, or you're drafting a D lineman and then you're jumping in to get Zay Flowers. I truly believe it should go QB, defensive end, wide receiver with the first first three selections. Yes, stack them however you want, but that's what I believe they need to do with those first three picks. And obviously, we all think QB too. So, wide receiver, defensive end, or defensive end wide receiver is my is my big preference there with those second and third selections they have. Yeah. And once you get into day two, day three, it really starts to get a pretty wide berth, whether it's one of the tight ends. Um, if, if one of the centers is there on day two, day three, um, you know, is if, he, is, if, is he going to pull a Mechie where he jumps up into the second round? He's got, I mean, he's got the, the ammunition to do it. And I, sure. I, I certainly don't see him coming out, of this draft with utilizing all seven or all 12 draft picks. Um, I think he'll use some of those day three picks to move around on day two or early part of day three and end up probably with nine or nine or 10 draft picks. And they have, they have five first two day picks right now. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I fully believe they will leave with four Mm -hmm. players in the first two days. Figure that out however you'd like. Maybe it's yep. two second rounders. Maybe it's three first rounders. But I believe they will be leaving with four players despite having five selections as we talk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. And like like I said, I think day two, day three, early day four is where you can – It's whether it's running back, whether it's linebacker, whether it's tight end, because all those positions, yes, they sign somebody in free agency at those positions, whether it's you know Perryman whether it's Dalton Schultz, whether it's Devin Singletary, they're all on one-year contracts. So it should not – those signings should not prevent this team from drafting quality players at those positions because of the free agent they signed. And then it just it – ha- it, 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 it creates less pressure to re-sign those guys if they end up not being what you're need, what you're wanting out of them, and then you got this the, the second year player back ready to backfill, so I think that's maybe one reason why Nick did one and two year deals. Who knows that whole philosophy? You, but I, I think that's a piece of that puzzle. You you have such a fun built in conversation about those young players because hey. They can't beat out the veteran because the veteran's good enough that he's not going to get beat out. They eventually beat out the veteran. Hey, great job by the kid. Or they beat out the veteran from day one. Hey, great job by the kid. So like, there's there's a there's a lot less pressure on all those other selections. Two's going to carry a ton of pressure, but there's a lot less sele- pressure on all those other selections because you you did a nice job finding yourself some options in free agency. One specific wide receiver that kind of really seems to be all over the board for, you know, different, different evaluators is Jalen Hyatt. You know, he's a big, he's a speed guy comes out of that 
Baylor-style offense, which kind of concerns me given past history of Baylor wide receivers. I've seen him as high as top of the second round. I've seen him as low as round, you know, late round three. Would a burner like that, I don't think he's quite Will Fuller-esque, but would a burner like that make sense for Houston? It, that, doesn't it feel like Casario is not a huge fan of those one-dimensional type of players? Yeah. So I almost wonder if the if the top three or four wide receivers are out of there, you know, that's where Hyatt kind of checks in for most people is five or six or so. Yeah. I almost wonder if at that point you look over at D'Amico and you say, which one of these defenders do you like? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, 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 oh, 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 you like Drew Sanders? Yeah, that's oh, okay. what the name I was about to say was Drew we'll, Sanders. We'll go to Drew, Drew Sanders. Uh, Lance Sirline has him as one of the 10 best players in this draft. Oof. And that's that's from like the, the 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 grade that they put over on NFL.com. And I don't know if he's going to end up as one of the 10 best players in this draft, but there's certainly some potential and some uniqueness to him that doesn't exist with many other prospects. Like there's you know, Nolan Smith's pretty unique because his pass rush win rate and his pressure rate is really high, but he also stops the run pretty well. Like nice. Sanders has Sanders has like a little kind of a hiccup there mm-hmm. with some of the run stopping, but he can rush the passer as like Cordell, kind of like that. Yeah, he's a freak very blitz heavy linebacker, but needs to improve on his tackling, which is a staple of D'Amico Ryan's defense is tackling and efficiency. And Nola Smith kind of can. I don't know. He, I'm, so look, I'm so less, confused. I'm so confused by little, him. He's he's smaller, and you know, I go back and look at San Francisco's D line, and other than other than a bootcamp, a bootcamp, I think everybody was two sixty or more on that defensive line, including the edges. So, well, that, see, that's the thing is he's not a defensive lineman. Yeah. He's 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 a he's a he's a defensive weapon because we, you'd kind of use him as you'd use him almost as like a like a floating linebacker kind of. Oh, okay. So like he he'd rush standing up. You drop him into coverage because he's a freak athlete. And you just kind of hope he'd be kind of a do-it-all type guy. Um, and, and that's probably the hope for a guy like Smith. And then it's like, okay, third down, unleash hell. You know, go go get past everybody. I, I, need to, I need to watch him more because how much of his success is just he's a better athlete than some of the got, crappy guys that Georgia played against? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's these torture guys are they're they're, they're t- it's tough to figure them out sometimes. I mean, it's so much talent on that roster. It's hard to it's hard to it's hard to know. Yeah. Let's look at some of these questions here. Let's see here. I know this Dalton's been putting this up here quite a bit. D Hop back in town. Nick means to make it happen. Hopkins still lives in Houston or still has residence here. He was here last weekend. I think he was up in Crosby doing a bunch of mudding underneath uh highway 90. So with Isaiah Simmons, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a little bit leery to say there's something to that. And the contract's really funky and Houston's a- pretty tied up on their cap space and, I just is not he, sure that is he getting cut? Is Hopkins going to get cut? I feel like he's getting cut because I've I've heard that he's just worn out his welcome in Arizona, big time. 
Like they're doing everything they can to get get him out of there, but they want to get a draft pick. And I so, think the league is is in on that. And unless there's some team that just is like, fine, we'll toss you a, a six rounder for him. But I I don't I wouldn't be I would be shocked if they just I wouldn't be shocked if they end up releasing him outright. So that's that's the biggest revisionist history about the DeAndre Hopkins trade is I was not upset that they traded him. I was upset that I felt like they got nothing for him. Yeah. Like if they had gotten what the Bills got for Stephon Diggs, then we're having a totally different conversation about the history of what the, now you know, O'Brien probably would have drafted some idiot player. You know, I don't know. He wouldn't have got Justin Jefferson like the damn Vikings uh, did. But he would he would have he would have taken another Ross Blacklock. Yep. Yeah, right. Um so that that's the thing is like yes, uh, Hopkins beloved didn't get anything for him. That sucked. There were some Texans fans that would have been fine if the compensation was better. Yeah. Uh you know, there was I was quite upset when I remember I remember I was sitting at the water waterburger drive through when the tweets started coming up about what they got and I yeah, it was a quite ridiculous return, and I think yeah, everybody understands. I there was a lot of people upset that they traded him to begin with, just because he was so damn good. But yeah, the return was just absolutely ridiculous, especially after you saw what Stefan Diggs went for, and there was just no reason for that. And they obviously O'Brien was the worst negotiator in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Coke is bad. Coke is this is Coke Zero, Tony. This is the healthy Coke. If there ever was a thing, nothing's nothing's bad for you in moderation. Okay, I just drink about nine diet sodas a day, so that's not yeah. I, I have an unhealthy addiction to Coke Zero. So so says my twelve year old daughter. <laughs> uh, I, last night, I was drinking one, and then I misplaced it or something, and I was walking around the house. She's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I was looking for my Coke," and it was in the trash can because I already finished it. She's like, "You drink too much Coke, Dad." I was like, "You know what? You're right." But let me go get another one. Um, yeah, so that would be I'd, – I'd have a hard time putting anything into Hopkins, even if he posted himself in a Texans uniform. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Let's see here. Leo, so that's a great lens you're using, sir. Thank you. Let's see here. Will you be shocked, more shocked that the Texans draft Stroud or Will Anderson at two? So, Joey, I think we talked about this earlier. And – uh I would be extremely shocked if they drafted CJ Stroud. And I, I think Cody's in alignment with me on that. I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't be as shocked if they took Will Anderson at two, assuming I, Bryce Young's gone. I would, I would not be shocked. I'd be mad though. I'd be real <laughs> mad. Let's see here. I saw something interesting. Do you really think Terry would trade the farm to pick at two and three? So this, I saw there was, was a. Yeah, Rapport said that Houston was one of the teams that made the call about moving up from 12 to 3 because Arizona's going to be in that huge dealing spot if if Houston if 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 Stroud goes one, Bryce Young goes two, then Arizona and their phone, Monty Osenfort is going to get blown up. Yep. Everybody is going to be trying to get up there. And I I I do think that Houston probably made the phone call because that's just due diligence. And a lot of these, a lot of teams will discuss 
potential framework of trades like that prior to the draft, just like at the story we've heard a billion times of, of Rick Smith and Sashi Brown essentially had the framework of that trade done like three weeks before the draft when uh, Houston traded up for Deshaun Watson. So I, I'm not shocked that Houston made that phone call. I'm, I, I would expect them to make that phone call. That's a due diligence, due diligence call. Will it actually happen? I, I'd be very, very shocked if they did that. I mean, I that would take some of the Watson compensation to make that move. And I'm not sure who, who, what kind of non-QB player you're making that much of a league, giving up that much compensation for. I'm not sure if, there's anybody else in this draft if Bryce Young is already gone. It would, it would take, it take. 12 and both first this year or both first next year to make that move. Mm-hmm. And like, I suppose you would try to spread it out. So you'd be like, okay, 12, one of the first next year and our first the following year. But that's, that's a lot to move up for Will Anderson or like it or, or or CJ Stroud or Will Levis like can you imagine if they went if they went through with this and it was Tyree Wilson and Will Levis like I'd be pulling my hair out <laughs> at least you have hair <laughs> like I like Tyree like he's he's a great kid and everybody at Tech gives him glowing reviews but I can't draft him over to, Will Anderson today again so I haven't finished the podcast but the pros to Joe's uh, podcast. Another one came out today with Dane and, and Zerline and and Andy and and once and they were doing a mock draft where they were representing different teams and once again, uh, Zerline took Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson. Lance was Lance was early to the conversation about Trevon Walker last year. Yep, yep. Tra- Trevon Walker actually, by the way, real quick, yeah. the, tra- the 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 Texans. Uh, I remember Lance telling us on the show last year, if Trevon Walker was available at three, the Texans would have picked him. Um, mm. The Trevon Walker conversation is yet another one that lends credence to the Will Levis love this year. Your resume is not as good as somebody else, but we believe in the skills. I mean, that's, that's, and- that's Stingley, that's Trevon Walker, and then that's Levis this year. Oddly enough, I heard – it was Lovey Smith pushing for Stingley too, which is and, shocking given the and, way they and, used him. And then he and then he went out there and kept the Ferrari in the garage. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what's amazing. I'm like, I'm not sure I can believe that one. Uh, Crumpler, old John Crumpler, Cap. What's your pivot if Bryce Young has gone into? So yeah, we talked about that as well. I think uh, you trade back, trade out, or you you take one of the edge guys if if you can't get a trade partner. I have no problem with that. How, how, how far back's too far? Okay, so you, you say you say trade out of two. How far back is too far if you're doing a trade? All right, so that assumes Bryce Young goes one, and you're able to trade out of two because somebody wants C.J. Stroud. Correct. Um, does does that I can go make... back to seven with Vegas? Maybe. Yeah, probably be about as far back as I would like to go what do you what do you get what do you get from vegas if they're going seven to two all right let me you get in a future you're not getting a future first for a quarterback he might you think seven to two for if it's a quarterback involved move then i think there's a chance 
Would you would you do seven and Vegas's pick next year? Would that be it for you? Would you do that? Oh, just oh, seven and and a future. Seven and a future first for two. Is that it? Or are you getting more? Let me see. They give you three firsts next year, and which would give you a ton of ammunition. How does Nick not have here's this? here's the problem with like like I like, I understand the ammunition conversation for next year. Um, if Caleb May or, or if Caleb Williams and Drake May are as good as they're supposed to be, nobody's trading out of the pick to select them. So like you can have all the yeah, ammunition. Yeah, that's world. that's a very valid point. I've, like, I've heard that. You could have offered the Jaguars two future firsts and your current first, and they were not trading the number one pick. They were taking Trevor Lawrence. So that's the tough part about ammunition is it doesn't guarantee – it guarantees you nothing. Yeah. And, in fact, in most scenarios, it guarantees you the third best quarterback. Yeah. No, that's that's a very fair point because it you got to assume – the teams that are going to be at the top of the draft next year are probably looking for quarterback as well. It's not, it's very rare that it's a, a Chicago situation like that. Again, let's see here. There was another couple of questions that I just hadn't starred yet. And Tony said, yeah, Sashi Brown is in Baltimore. That popped up and I did not know that that blew oh, me away. That's interesting. I, I was disappointed in myself for not knowing that because I usually try to keep up with that kind of stuff. There was a message. Dang, where'd it go? Y'all throwing up all kinds of stuff up here. Well, oh, wait, TJ had a random theory. That's what I was trying to look at. I hadn't even read this yet. With the news of talking to Cardinals about trading up to three, when Gage and Value, what if they asked on trade if both QBs gone? One QB. I'm confused. I think they're asking good calls for Gaging by what they asked on trade if both QBs gone or I don't TJ I'm, oh, so, I, I'm not I see, following. I see what he's saying. All right, they, Break it they down. ask they ask basically, do we have to pay more if it if if it's the third QB on the board or it's the second QB on the board? Uh, okay, yeah, that's kind. Of, I think that's what he's asking. Okay, yeah, I, I who knows? I mean, I think if. It just depends on how each each team, each roster is going to – I think that's going to be the big thing is I think teams are going to be all over the place with these quarterbacks. Um, but I do think some of them are going to slide down a little bit down the board. Let's see here. Talked about that. Talked about that. Man, right on it. Right about an hour. It's about right Whoa. where I came with, man. Let's see. Was, if you've got any other questions, please throw them up. We've got about five more minutes before we get before we get out of here. Um, it's good to be back for sure, man. I taking a week off, and it felt like a month off from this from doing <laughs> streaming tonight. Lots, lot, of, lot of stuff happens, man. It my phone started blowing up when I was out of town, and then it blew up this week, and then last night, and it's. I try, you know, and it's, it's weird because like two weeks ago, I was like telling myself, I was like, I need to stop messing with these rumors. I need to get away from them. And oh, I need is, to just, this is the time of just, year where you just report, just tweet out 
salary cap stuff. Keep it simple. Stick no, to give, the facts. And then give me the give me the. Here I am. Yeah. Give me all the rumors, baby. And then I'm right huff, back huff, in it. Huff the rumors, man. Right back in it. it hey, was, hey, I got a question for yeah. you. Um, let's pretend one of the four quarterbacks. Obviously, we know who the two most likely ones are. Let's pretend one of the four quarterbacks is there at twelve. The Texans already have their guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Yeah. Who's 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 calling it? Who's calling the Texans at twelve? And which guy gets the most calls? Like, the, like does Richardson get the most calls from people trying to jump up to twelve to get for the Texans to move back a little, or does, or does Levis get more calls um, if he's there at twelve and the Texans already have, let's just say Bryce in in the barn? I think, I think at that point, I think Richardson would get more phone calls because majority of the teams in the back half of the draft that would be willing to that are looking to maybe make that leap potentially already have a bridge option or some type of option at, at quarterback that can carry him through and let Richardson sit and develop. You know, if it's the commanders wanting to come up, if it's the lions wanting to come up, if it's um, Seattle, Seattle's yeah. Tampa, Seattle. um, I think think Minnesota, 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 they're moving. If one yeah. of these QBs starts to fall, they're moving up. I'm telling yeah. you, they're gonna move up. Yeah, there's there's a handful of teams back there that says, yeah, I've I've got Kirk Cousins. He's got one more year on his contract. We'll take Richardson, give you a two or whatever it is to get up, and he can go sit on our roster, sit on the bench, and develop for a year, and then come out in 2020, 2024. I think I that's a very real possibility at twelve for this team. So if 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 the Texans were able to get their quarterback at two. Moving back at twelve is a as another potential gold mine oper- gold mine opportunity to shift back into like 17, 18, 19, 20. I tell you what, uh, if if Minnesota comes calling, they don't have a lot of capital in this year's draft. Mm-mm. I think they're one of the five five lowest draft power rankings teams. Twenty three to twelve. I'm sorry. That's gonna that's gonna be a future first. Or we're trading to somebody else, man. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You you better come strong with that offer. If we're if the Texans are moving back that far, because that 12 to 23 takes you out of Jackson Smith and Jigma territory. Mm-hmm. It takes you out of Bijan territory. Yep. And it probably takes you out of Lucas Van Ness and Miles yeah. Murphy territory. It takes you out of the edges. Yeah. It takes you out of a lot. So yeah. that future first that better be on the table. I'm with you there. They, that makes perfect sense. Or Justin Jefferson. We'll take Justin Jefferson. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll we'll take him, Justin Jefferson. I'll give it's him like, 25 million a year. Let's go. Yeah. Tw- twist our arm. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, man. All right. I think that's about it. I appreciate it. Man, y'all had a ton, a ton of comments. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, had upwards of 130 people in here tonight. So that was fantastic. It's good to be back. I'm super excited. We got two weeks left for the draft. This is going to get crazy. Just like I told, like I told uh, my buddy on, on Twitter, Ryan Cunningham, man, just, just enjoy the ride. Don't let it get up. Don't let it upset you. Don't, because I saw some tweets today about people like, man, I'm going to shut down Twitter until the draft. Night. I can't handle this. Who cares, man? Don't let it bother you. Just enjoy the ride. Soak it all in. 
just man, just know that you have no control over the situation and soak it in, enjoy it, and man, let's go. It's too much fun. Yep. Yep. It, it, this is the NFL draft is quite literally my favorite non-game thing that the NFL does. Yeah. Uh and and, and really as bad as the Texan seasons have been sometimes, sometimes it's more fun than the game. <laughs> When are you getting tired of campaign mode, man? So I, I'm, <laughs> I, I hadn't had a, I hadn't had a console in like ten years, eight years, and I've been playing Game Pass on cloud just through the web browser, and some of the games are good, but man, I just been itching to play those old Call of Duty games, so I went and bought an Xbox. And like one night a week, I designate, I'll come up and sneak upstairs and I'll play for a little bit late at night. And man, it has been a blast. I, I went through Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3. And then now I'm on Black Ops 1. And I'm going to do 2 and 3 and then I'll just go from there. But man, it has been a blast reliving those Call of Duty days, man. I just have so much fun with that. So, but no, I don't anticipate doing any multiplayer online stuff. I'm just not in that. I like the stories, the campaign. And Mike Book Reviews will cap it off. What's it like being YouTube? Mike, I am no, Mike's got like 90,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. I, I'm jealous of him. And uh, he is a, uh, he's the YouTube star here. So, all right. So, and Tony, I did, I just an S, man. Just an S. I, I don't got that kind of money for an X, nor do I have the need for it. So, Appreciate everybody listening in, watching. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you go over to Cody Stutz's YouTube channels. Hit that subscribe button. You can catch him in the afternoons. What time? 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on ESPN 97.5. You can listen on 97.5 FM, 92.5 FM. We have our own app. You can watch us on Twitch, and you can catch the highlights on YouTube. Perfect. So with that, and you can follow me on Twitter at Texas Cap. This is the Cap and Trade YouTube channel. I appreciate everybody. And with that, we will call it a night. Everybody have a good evening. Thank you.